young teacher the subject of schoolgirl fantasy she wants him so badly knows what she wants to be inside her there's longing this girl's an open page bookmarking she's so close now this girl is half his age Welcome to Tales in the East End, episode 124, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prof, Carl Riley. Hello! So, uh, yeah, we've uh, some great interviews for you in the episode. Uh, they won the Rovers Player of the Year in 97 and 2011, respectively. You'll hear from Tony Cousins and Craig Sivez, so Sivy and Cuzzo coming up on the show, prof. Correction, Gary, you'll hear part one of Sivy. There you go, yeah, it's a long one. Why it's is that? well worth the wait. Why is that, Gary? Uh, because... Um, he talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> talked a lot, you say? He talked a lot. Yes. And uh, remember, uh, last month, I think it was, we threw this out to all of you listening. We <laughs> wanted to know why a random podcast in Canada sponsored Thomas Alua's away jersey. Well, mystery solved. Mm-hmm. We got to the bottom of it. So another cool piece we'll have a bit later on. Uh, just a reaction to last week's show. Remember we had Mick Byrne on. Talking about that great story, him and the other legends going to the cup final in, in November. So Kieran Long wrote in and said, Hi, I hope all's well with you. Uh, brilliant interview with McBurn and the cup final. Uh, without you, we wouldn't get the inside track on how much they love the, they still have for the club week in, week out. So cheers for that. He says he's loving it. And as a side note, he says the first game he went to was the 7 3 win over Limerick in the RDS in 1993. Which happened to be Alan Burns' only ever goal for Rovers. No, we only spoke about that. And until Alan, or until he heard that, he didn't realise that that was Alan's only goal. So, Kieran learned all sorts. Yeah, so uh, a belter, ten, a 10 goal thriller. Um, yeah, our social media team, still doing their best to keep us entertained. They're flat out, giving us all sorts of content. Uh, Rovers Rewind on Facebook was the two brand games from last year, and there's just emails mm. coming flying every day and memberships and membership stuff like that like it's really good so we're being kept uh kept entertained anyway yeah like maloney's memories from from bergen he, sitting with his in the zoom phone call in the dark with his earphones on in the corner but uh great memories i like his his description of the stadium was spot on it was so strange buying this student accommodation we actually looked that up and i can't remember who said it to me at the time i think it might have been a steward or whatever and they were saying yeah they're actually going to get like there's going to be students living there so they can see onto the pitch and it's finished now and I put it up on the WhatsApp group recently is that you can actually rent it out now if you're a student and during match days they cover the screen so you're not bothered or whatever and you can't watch the game Um, there's a window at the top a small window at the top of it and it's underneath like the the warning it's like this is not an escape route this is not an exit please don't get out this window during games so everything is closed off it's it's original as fuck I've never ever seen anything like that see the the photograph Dunster put up 
of all of us walking to the ground in Bergen. Yeah. I reckon that's my favourite European away photograph. It's brilliant, isn't it? I absolutely love it. I have. I, I took a great one with Mick McCarthy and Leighton Doyle in the front of it and we're walking like down like a hill. The sun is shining. It's in that little, not a state, but the little small roads leading towards the stadium. Cracking photo. Yeah, Jay also mentioned that the Brian Brew pub was reopened yeah. over there. Our home for the two days or three days yeah. that we were there. Those trips like Iceland and Norway, I don't use this word lightly, unmissable. Unmissable. 300 and odd days of the year it rains in Bergen. And when we rock up, it's 30 odd degrees. It's beautiful out. What a stunning country and city. Visually, it was the nicest place I've probably ever been. That walk home from the game. It's just yeah. so picturesque. It was where amazing. They, where they dumped us out in the street with no yeah. transport. Yeah, we go and walk 5k there, lads. <laughs> it's just, it's often described, isn't it? It's going away with 300 of your mates. That's Europe. what it is. It's the yeah. biggest stag party ever. You're all, and, but it's <laughs> got a little bit more attachment to it than a stag party because you're all there for the one thing. You all have one thing in common and that is just going to see Rovers win and they're all like-minded and it's just the best thing ever. The piggy bank is... Bursting now for Europe, so I'm well, well in the, well in the green when it comes to that. Yeah, so we had a great interview with Mister Seventeen Seasons, Derek Tracy on the Forty Two and uh, good old Daryl still, mm. still, tr- still trekking away. Well, you can read that, or you can listen to the Fire podcast with him and Tony O'Dell that we did, which still is my favorite ex player. Shall we did? Yeah, that was they, the most. They crack. actually sat there for hours. Hours upon hours, milling cans. I think we had a second trip as well. <laughs> Absolutely sinking them. So, uh, yeah. some people still haven't heard that episode. You know who you are. Oh, name names. Yeah, Go back and listen. <laughs> Face masks, uh, neck scarves should be in the first week of June. So, um, more merchandise coming from the club. Loads of gear coming up, and they actually look great. So, looking forward to getting them. So, that should be next week, I think, is it? Yeah, yeah. Should be first of June, hopefully. Um, our condolences to the families of Joseph Bourne, a Rovers fan and former 400 club member, and Alex Ryan, who was only 14 years old and loved Rovers. So, uh, Alex was a patron of ours on the bus, and um, there's no words to really describe it. Uh, we, I can't, what more can you say? A tragic loss of life at such a young age. And, like I said, if there's anything we can do if, in any way, we're. we're we're an open booker you can come and you can ask us anything and we'll do what we'll do our best to do anything that, that we can for the families and like i said it's a tragic loss of life such an enthusiastic young hoop so rest in peace to alex ryan yeah i recognize alex from the away days he was telling everyone who listened how much he loved following rovers so it's so so sad so a task well to all his family and friends uh we cuzzo rovers legend and under 19s manager so we have cuzzo coming up great guy I really miss not having seen him in the flesh play so I'm really interested in, in this one and like I said we've had him on before but uh, this is our COVID-19 Cuzzo special Okay we're talking to Tony Cousins now who won uh, Rovers Player of the Year award in his first season with the club so Tony cast your mind back to July 1996 when you arrived from Bowes and it must have been a weird start to life at Rovers because it was Alan O'Neill who signed you but then he was sacked only one league game into the season yeah, it was very strange. Um, Alan, I played with Alan at Dundalk and Terry Evanston was his assistant. So it was one of the reasons uh, when I met up with Alan, I was looking forward to the season ahead and 
you know, uh, playing under Alan. Um, we went to a tour of America that season as well, pre-season as well. And uh, I think you could maybe see maybe changes were going to happen. But uh, it was just, it was one of those, it was one of those strange things after a game. That Alan was gone. And I think uh, Papa Orm was in at the time. Pat was running, kind of running the, the club from a day-to-day uh, basis. Um, so obviously with Pat's experience and management, uh, he took over then. We made a couple of big name signings yourself and Pat Fenn and the club was under new ownership and there was excitement around the new Tatter project as well. So were people expecting or hoping something better than we got in the end that season, which was a relegation battle? Yeah, I think nobody could foresee what was like what was what was gonna happen. Um I remember we we went to the new owners uh offices and a plan of the Tala Stadium was unveiled and we said Pat Fenlon were there and a couple of the other players and uh, you know we can only see we from what we were told when we signed that there'll be more quality players coming in in the next window and the following season that we are going to make you know an attempt to compete Um but the way the, the season unravelled, uh, Tala became a struggle as well. And uh, it became a real problem. Uh, over the course of the season, a couple of the players left uh, mid-season as well. And uh, it, it, it made it more difficult. So there probably wouldn't be too many highlights from the season, but would the 6-4 win over Shelburne, a.k.a. the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, would that be a standout game from the campaign? Yeah, I think, I think like, a, like a lot of people from even both sets of supporters has often mentioned that game to me. Um, I think anybody that played in the game, but also I think anybody that was a supporter at the game, and I think we get a lot of League of Ireland supporters that are neutral as well, that will go to a game in Dublin. And I think anybody that was at that game that night, I think it was one of the best games you'll ever see. I think to play in it was one of the best games I ever played in. But I think from a supporter's point of view, I think, you know, everybody remembers it. That was there. Uh, it was it was an unbelievable match. You actually won the league player of the month award for February. You're absolutely on fire for three or four weeks there. You had a goal against Harps, hat trick against Shelburne. That game we're talking about, a brace against Pats, another brace against uh, Bray. Yeah, the the goals were going in, but at the end of the day, we still had some good quality in the team. You know, obviously Pat Fennan was a fantastic player, and uh, you know we just we just needed. Like I think in the in the transfer window, from what we were told was going to happen, we thought there was going to be another couple of quality players coming in, but that didn't really materialise. And uh, I think the, there was the guts of a decent side there, but the problem was, as I said, when the players we actually let a couple of players go in that window, uh, that probably weakened weakened us uh, uh, from 
the ones we let go and the ones we brought in, um, it probably weakened the team. But uh, no, it was one of those seasons that in the end, it's like when you're down there, um, people say, oh, you're too good to be down there. But at the end of the day, when you're in a dogfight, um, it's never easy. You know, every game becomes a cup final. And uh, the way it is, that's the way that season became really for us. Have Robbers fans since uh, brought up this season to you because you scored 15 of our 43 league goals that season. You're only one off the league's top goal scorer, Stephen Gagan. I've heard a lot of fans since say that you near single-handedly kept Robbers up in 97. <laughs> no, well, at the end of the day, you can never, as a, as a striker, you can never uh, win games on your own. You know, the, the most important thing is that the players and players have to create chances for you. Um, you know, I think I was, I was listening to uh, the radio yesterday and, you know, they were, they were giving a comparison of Alan Shearer and uh, he was saying, uh, the person was saying that uh, he felt that by Shearer not going to United, you know, he didn't play in games that were as important, that there was pressure off him at Newcastle. The only thing is, when you're playing for a top four team, you're, you, you, they create more chances for you because they're more dominant than matches. So I do look at one side of it that, yeah, when you're up there, there is that thing of every game, but then you do get more chances when you're in a top four team. You go further in the cup uh, probably than a bottom, a bottom side. So... So from that point of view, but at the end of the day, no matter what team you're playing in, the players have to create the chances for you. We've been doing this interview series for a couple of months now, and most of the lads who won that Fans Player of the Year award, they were pretty surprised that they won the vote, but I don't know if that would be the case here because, because of what we mentioned, your goal return. So you must have thought at the time you had a fairly good chance here of scooping the award. Chance of getting it, you know. Probably Derek Tracy was in the team as well. Derek was a fantastic player, Pat Fenlon. Um, you know, so there was really good players in the team, so you never took anything for granted, do you know what I mean? Um, but obviously, I was absolutely delighted to win it. I think, I think the one thing when you win awards like that, you see the players that won it in the past, and like you know, to be on the in the same uh, bracket as Pat Bourne and. Nick Bourne and players like that, um, you know, you you just you just feel you just feel delighted to achieve achieve the award. You were appointed uh, Robbers under 17s manager in December 2018, and I think I know what happened here. What happened was the powers that be heard that four and a half hour podcast you did with us, and <laughs> they liked what they heard, and they said we need to get Cuzo involved again. So, how much did you enjoy the job uh, last year? different you know um it's different to senior football obviously i've been i was involved uh from a senior management point of view for for so long um you complete control over everything um in relation to what you're doing um so you know it, it was different um 
So at the end of the day, for me, probably, I was after taking a little bit of time out of the game as well. So, you know, it's, it was probably an adjustment for me, really, last season. And uh, so even this time, it's been good. And having time in your hand uh, to kind of reflect and, uh, and look at look at things going forward, you know, and uh, how you can improve yourself as well. I think that's what you have to do all the time. And uh, no, but uh, I love I love being involved at the club. And, you know, it's a fantastic setup up there in Tala. We've got some great young players, you know, and um, players that want to do well. But it's like everything, you know, I've seen a lot of young players through my time uh, now from playing with them and from managing that. You know, sometimes players are 15, uh, 16, people say, oh, he's going to be great. And maybe it's the player that maybe was the average player in the team comes through late and through his dedication and he just improves and gets better physically and comes late and, and, and he's the one that makes it. So, you know, it is a difficult, it's it's a difficult, uh, it's difficult when it comes to decision making as well in relation to the way it's set out. We're having to make decisions on players, letting players go and that. It can be difficult because we've got a conveyor belt there and we always have young lads coming, coming through. Uh, you're having to make decisions on players that are maybe close in ability as well, but you can't keep the two of them because only one of them was going to uh, play the following season. Uh, obviously, with the restraints of the squads as well, with the with the way the squads you have to name the squads, um, it's always going to happen. You know, I mean, I think that's that's one of the hardest things really is. Uh, is is that side of it? It's it's uh, having to let those those players go because you know, just maybe that one of them will come come uh, come late in their career. Just want to ask you about your assistant as well, Dave McAllister. He, he's a friend of the show and he was very popular as a player in this time at Rovers. Uh, so, what was he like to work with? Kind of as a young coach learning his trade. Fantastic. Davey's just brilliant, you know. He's he's very enthusiastic. Um, wants to wants to do well, and obviously, with Davey uh, having to have another knee operation, um, I asked him, did he want to come in with me? And uh, he's been great, you know. He's great enthusiasm for the job, you know. He's he's great around the. The, the young players and uh, the two of us work really well together probably have the same ideas on a lot of things and there's no bullshit what you see is what you get and uh, I think that's the, the really good thing about him um, but, but now um, I think if Davey keeps progressing he, he's going to do he's going to do really well the senior team at least got five games in. I met you in the Pines after that late winner in Dana Mountain. We were all in great form, but your under-19s, on the other hand, have yet to kick a ball. Like You were only three days away from starting your season against Cove Ramblers when sport was shut down. So what's it been like 
dealing with the situation and do you feel in this whole debate about restarting behind closed doors nobody's really talking about the underage leagues yeah probably probably it's it's one of the things at the moment that's left and we're in a probably more difficult situation because with with us going into the first division a lot of the 19s have played in the first division so literally um, on a Monday and Wednesday, uh, all the 19s and any of the first division players that are there trying together because the ones that come down from the first team don't come down till the weekend. So literally, we what we were in a situation we like we would literally have meetings every week. Salvado and Thomas Morgan, who's uh, the under fifteen, under seventeens, and literally then I'd know my squad then for the Friday, uh, uh, for the weekend. So it give me a chance to work with them on the Friday. So we're in a situation that a lot of the like all the nineteens are involved in training on a Monday and Wednesday together with the other group. So it's it's a. Uh, it's what happens there because we're going to have a scenario. Everybody comes back. Some players won't kick a ball until the 19th league is back up and running. Um, and which we don't know. We've no dates on that at the moment. So um, that's that's just that's one of the things that probably we're going to have to have a look at and uh, and figure out. Uh, what we're going to do in that situation obviously social distancing as well as you know I don't think it'd be one of them things that the decision is made that the whole squad arrives up 20 players arrive up and get out and try in the first night I do think they'll start off in smaller groups and then ease, ease, into, ease into things that way but I think for a while things are going to be different um, like I think even if you look at the sections you know, in our section, we've Kerry, Cork, Cove. You know, 20, 20 odd people on a on a coach going down to Kerry, four and a half hours down, four and a half hours back. In in August, September, is it realistic that that can happen? At this moment in time, I don't think it is. So, I don't know whether the FEI maybe are looking at regionalising. You know restructuring the the league for this year maybe regionalising it to just uh, the areas maybe Leinster area and where parents can actually drop the kids straight to the grounds and, uh, I think uh, they're all things that will have to be spoken about and the uh, last question I was reading an interview there with uh, Pat Deans he was talking about where the song for him came from Pat Deans from the halfway line. It was a, it was an FEI Cup quarterfinal tie with Shelburne and Talca Park in two thousand one. And back then, similar to what we're seeing now, sport in this country just came to a standstill because of the foot and mouth disease. So the replay or or any game for that matter didn't place for a whole didn't take place for a whole month afterwards. So I was wondering, what do you remember from that time? What was it like? What were you and your teammates doing while you waited and the whole uncertainty uh, surrounding it? 
I actually, I, you just trained yourself, you know, at that time. Because there was no, it's not like now. Like like at the moment, all our lads, Pat's, Pat's been fantastic in relation to setting out programs for the lads every every week. And uh, daily, he, he gives them what, what they have to do. And uh, we've had, uh, obviously, with WhatsApp, each coach is, is, is being separated. We all have four players, and the four players come into us at the end of the week, at the end of the day, with what they've done. There's in, in some of the stuff, they've to send in little videos of what they've done. And uh, whereas technology now, is, and then they have a Zoom class on a Friday with Pat. So there's so much technology now. And that keeps keeps you involved with the players. Where does where then? It was more if you got a program, just go and do it yourself. And uh, that's really what you did. Maybe at the time, I think I I would have done it with someone else. Do you know what I mean? Anybody that was living living near me probably would have would have done it with them. But uh, there was not there wasn't as much. Unless the manager rang you or texted you, it wasn't there wasn't as much uh, technology as there is now to keep the group together. And just in general, do you feel that League of Ireland football will actually return in twenty twenty behind closed doors? <laughs> um, I I think there's a real there is a push for it. I do think there's a little bit of a split in the league from what I'm hearing and what you know I'm reading. I do think there's clubs maybe that don't want to go back financially, don't feel they're ready. I think I do think if you look at some of the clubs as well, some of the clubs brought in a lot of players from England. Those players obviously won't be coming back, so they're probably looking and saying we're going to be weaker. Because I don't see those English players leaving home at the moment in the situation that England is in, leaving their families uh, to come back here and play. Um, and, I, and I would imagine those clubs are looking and saying we're going to be a lot weaker. But on the other side of it, you know, every other league is, is gearing themselves to getting back. And I think as well as that, you know, we don't like from what they're telling us. This virus could be around for a while. We can't just shut the league down for a year or two and think that we can pick up where we left off. I think you know, before this happened, the league was was really motoring. The crowds were really good. Um, the football being played by the by the teams. You know, was was re- was really of a good standard. I think people were enjoying going to the games. I think what happens as well is, I think you know, you can get the saturation of of uh, football on the telly, but there's nothing like going to a live game. And we've got a good product now here. You know what I mean? The players, the team, all the teams are trying to play the ball on the deck and. Uh, uh, or like our own team is fantastic to watch. I love going up and watching watching them uh, myself. I think we've got a great bunch of players there uh, that really want to do well and 
it's just hard at the moment because of the start they've had on the back of the FEI Cup win as well. You know, I think momentum brought us into the start of the league. So, but there's a really good squad there. Like, like really with this, I cannot see any anybody touching Dundalk or Rovers, any of the other clubs. I think this just sends some of the other clubs further away from the top two, which is probably a little bit of a problem uh, in relation to the league as well. But I just can't see anybody touching the top two now. So now I think I think everybody would love just to see it get up and running again. I think if we get it up and running again, you know, like it will eventually, the crowds will be allowed to go back. Um, but I think the important, it is important. Uh, like health is major, and it's most important that uh, that things are right. But things are moving in the right direction, and if they keep moving that way, like we need to get we need to get the our league up and running again, and, and that's not left behind. And I think I have to say, I think the people that have been involved in the FEI now, have been a breath of fresh air. I think Noel Quinn, you know, from what uh, anybody I've spoken to that's involved, um, he's he's trying his best in relation to trying to, to get things up and running. And I don't think that uh, willpower was there before in the FEI to, to help the league. But I, I really do think that people that are there now if they can if they can push it push it through and get things up and running now in these difficult times what they could do when things are going well so i think that that kind of looks good for the future well, fingers crossed we get back playing but uh thanks a lot for talking to us today tony uh stay safe cheers carl all the best to you so uh, a modest cousin i would say there gar refusing to admit that he damn near kept Rovers afloat on his own in that 96-97 yeah, A lot of people said it. Yeah. Because we finished 7th in the league out of 12 teams, 7 points above the relegation zone, and he scored 15 goals. So it's very rare a player for a club that low down the table will be amongst the league's top goal scorers. Like, there's been some exceptions. Dave Mooney for Longford, Mark Farron for, for Derry. And you wanted me to ask him about the, the foot and mouth disease in 2001. Because he was around that time. And he uh, basically said like what players are doing now. You know, he trained on his own and stuff like that. And football was, was off for a month then and we came back with that famous 3-0 win over Shelburne with the, the Billy Woods goal. And uh, of course he's under-19s manager now but they haven't kicked the ball. I mean, it's nearly June. Season still hasn't got going. Uh, because he was promoted from the 17s up to the 19s. He would have, I, think, I assume he's taken Sinclair Armstrong with him. He was top scorer with 16 goals in the 17s, so he'll go up to the to the 19s. But it's probably going to be, when it does come back, it's probably going to be tricky for him to pick the team with this B team. Because he doesn't know who he has available to him until yeah. the Friday. It is, it's going to be tricky. But that was Cuzzo anyway, so great to hear from him again, a Rovers legend. Uh, the FEI laid out their plan for a return to football and the four teams in Europe will be allowed to return training June 8th and the rest of the league June 29th. So the Super Cup involving 
for those clubs a Dundalk Rovers Bowls in Derry and that will take place from July 20th onwards and we're in the next phase of restrictions being lifted hopefully so the players and staff Going to be regularly testing. Games take place every two weekends, and the Aviva have been earmarked initially, but now it seems like it's going to be Tala. So they'll host the mini tournament. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. S- some sort of normality, you know. As long as everyone disinfects their balls. That's it. Just make sure your balls are disinfected. Mm-hmm. Clean balls. Can't stress that enough. Yeah, gotta have clean balls. Mm-hmm. So, no actual return date for the league itself, as Dan McDonald noted. We're the only summer league that does not have a date. Even Moldova have a date. And it does seem like this tournament is being used as a trial for the Aviva Stadium itself and for the Ireland Home International. So we're kind of the guinea pigs, aren't we? Oh, yeah, what's new though? Let the League of Ireland mm. uh, be the guinea pigs. But I've heard a lot of podcasts in the last two weeks and my conclusion is we're going around in circles. Yep. I think Niall Quinn is trying. It sounds promising a lot of what he's saying. But I think we're going around in circles because at the end of the day, if the other clubs don't come on board, it can't happen. Yeah. It's it's something that we could probably have a whole episode on. But I I I, I mean we spoke about this already. I'm not even too sure. Like like we, like, I don't even know anymore. I don't think I even want to comment on it because I get I get frustrated thinking about closed doors and then like the the whole ramification of that, and if 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 you if you don't have closed doors, is there an alternative? I just don't I don't know. I just can't see it happening as soon as they're saying. Well, it's tricky for us because apparently we're amongst the highest, not the highest in Europe, when it comes to reliance on match day revenue. I think I saw the percentage was like twenty eight percent or something. So you want to resume football, but at the same time. Can it work without fans in the League of Ireland? Because we rely on match day receipts so That's much. It. That's the thing. So That's what I mean by we're going around in circles. I think this little plan for the tournament, the Super Cup, it makes sense. But I, I'm far less uh, optimistic than I was a few weeks ago. I must say. In terms of like the news around the country, the cases and deaths are going down. I'm a bit more optimistic about that. But it just seems like the. The other clubs want to shut up shop for 2020. That's my feeling. They'd be happy enough just not just scrapping the whole league. Like. So the majority of League of Ireland players want to return if it's safe. 87% said yes in a poll, but some clubs seem to be digging their heels in. Probably because possibly player contracts. Bradzer says that if the league could set the league back 20 years if you fall the 10th and then say see it in March. So he does have a point. Um like I said, it's a tough situation. We it's something that no one has ever dealt with before. So you have people trying to make decisions with something that's unprecedented. Are you saying that it's unprecedented? I'm I'm saying it's unprecedented, prof. It is, and like you said, the cases and deaths are dropping slowly per day. So, well, let's try and find the positives in all this. Soap dispensers will never, ever be an issue at League of Ireland grounds again well you need a toilet to put them in the first place so I don't think Dundalk going to do that but like I said I'm hearing a lot of podcasts so I was I was fascinated by one discussion on the RTE soccer podcast and that was the Italian government's rules is that if one player tests positive in the whole squad then that team must quarantine for 14 days and the Italian FA are trying to appeal that right right but apparently if this happens in a League of Ireland match or with a Super Cup match or whatever, 
they're just going to treat it like a sickness. So if three players test positive for COVID-19, it's just going to be like, well, three players are ill. So exclude you them. You can still play the match. I don't know about that. So... Yeah. What way do you look at that? That's a strange, isn't it? But then what happens if five or six test positive? Mm. Is that grounds to postpone the match then? I assume it is. Go. That's what I'm saying. We we've never dealt with this before, so it's hard to do. it's hard to kind of come up with a solution. Um, yeah. So that's it. We're we're just trying to get our heads around it, really. Um, the Bundesliga, Bundesliga coming back, which it is a positive, but like mm. like I said, I'm just not a fan of no fans at the game and. It's good to watch. It's good to have some live sport back, but it's, without fans, like it's brutal. So I saw the Dortmund Schalke game a week ago, and the echoes in the stadium was was bizarre, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Couldn't get used to it now. Well, I left the game thinking, okay, if we have to, I could get used to this. The League of Ireland, just as a short term measure. Mm. Then again, that is a high standard of football we're watching. Are you willing to watch? You know. Stigo versus Bowles or yeah. something or whatever. Well, we would, but it's all about other people as well. Mm. Like the the standard is pretty good in German football. And we 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 are all talking about it's the big thing of the week. So, um, it's it's something. Oh, see, the Germans are so far ahead when it comes to everything, aren't they? Infrastructure and mm. just getting things right. I think we're a long way off that. I think La Liga announced the return date, didn't they? They did, yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but they definitely announced it and somebody else as well. So I think it's the second week in June or something, yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, we're next up. We have an interview with a host of a down of Down the Pub podcast all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia. So you probably guessed there's some sort of rover's angle here. So uh we're gonna have a listen. So next up is Anthony from Down the Pub Podcast. So it's time to welcome uh, Anto onto the show, and Anto Abbott, a Rovers fan who has moved from Dublin to Canada 10 years ago. So Anthony, tell us about how you got into following Rovers, and what do you remember about your first game? So, uh, <clears throat> my my love for Rovers came from, like I'd love to say it was the magic of the hoops, like they kind of hmm. like glistened and made me fall in love with them, but it wasn't that. Um, I wish I could say it was Terry Aviston. He was a teacher at my school when I was growing up. Uh, it wasn't that. I come from a very bitter place. So, uh, I'm guessing it's the north side. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so uh, my, my dad's a Bose fan, so I didn't come from him either. Whoa. So when, when I was growing up uh, with my football team, uh, I, I switched teams in, in the summer. And one of the lads on the team, his dad, was a, uh, a director at Bose. And Bows were playing Spurs at Daily Mount Park in the summer, and they were all allowed to become ball boys at the game. Oh, yeah. And obviously, I didn't get the chance to go. So, out of bitterness, I said, just to hell with Bows, and I started supporting Shamrock Rovers. So. I actually <laughs> can't even. This won't register for me at all because I, I would be so upset if my son did that. To the point oh, of really? where I, I could not. I can't even fathom that. I can't. It's uh, That's fascinating, the dad being a Bows fan. But there are, there are a few stories. There is, yeah. yeah. I, I just like Shelburne and Rovers families and stuff. Yeah, I think it's crazy. Yeah, fair play, Jenny. Anyway, you've seen the light. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a sports fan as well, and my dad is, so like, I'm kind of bitter at him for that as well because obviously sports are shit. So he's put me through a lot of hell. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to listen. To, I'm not going to take his advice on anything again. So I, uh, <laughs> that's why I kind of went with Rovers. Um, but. To be honest, like, I can't even remember. I think my first game was at Tolka Park, maybe, when Rovers were there. Mm. I think my uh, my brother-in-law took me along. Um, I'm kind of old, so like, it's been 
it's just kind of doesn't register in my memory really to be honest but um it's it, i just remember like the buzz at the ground and stuff like that although it didn't feel like home for uh for rovers as like you know there was like shell stuff everywhere right so but um you could still tell that the crowd were into it and uh i just just that the the buzz around the crowd was amazing so and what about uh, the last match you saw before you emigrated can you remember that uh, to be honest with you, like obviously when the lads like moved to the talent stuff of that, I didn't like I'm from Kulak, so it was kind of hard to get over to the game. So I just kind of watched them on telly and stuff of that. But like I'm hoping now, like I'm when I when I get back home, um, whenever this thing is over, I'm I'm gonna try and make a trek over. Usually, like my my calendar's full when I go home because I only get to go home for like a week or two, and football usually isn't part of. The thing because I have to see family and stuff for like that, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to blank my family the next time I go over to head over and see a game. So yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds that sounds like a Rover fan, all right. <laughs> so who would have been uh, your favorite Rovers players? Like top of your head, it can be any era. So so like the first one I kind of remember is like like um, Vinny Arkins. Vinny Arkins was a big big hero on mine like back in the day, but. It was just one. It was a really weird time for Rovers because, like, obviously they just been like kicked out of their home, and they were kind of like the nomads going around Dublin and stuff like that. And they had to they sold a lot of the best players that they had. So, like, Vinnie Arkins was a big one. I was really upset when he left, and then <coughs> Stephen Gagan was another one. He was like a goal machine, and like then obviously he ended up at Shells and stuff like that. So, guys like that, like, were were heroes of mine, like Gino Brazil, obviously uh, Derek Tracy and stuff like that. So they were kind of there. The guys I remember when I was kind of younger, looking up to. Um, I was really, really happy when we signed Stephen McVeigh. Like I always really, he's around the same age as me, so um, I always really enjoyed watching him play football. He's a he's a fantastic footballer, and obviously, been what he was tr- going through and stuff. And that was great to see him come home and play for Rovers. He'd have the pipe and slippers on, wouldn't he? <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's like it's just it, it, it just came so natural to him. Just like you know, like he, all, he kind of like a little bit like Scolzi, just always kind of had that extra yard to himself to be able to pick a pass. So yeah, he, he, I was so happy when he came home and, uh, and played for overs. I actually don't think he lost the ball once for overs. Let's be honest. Don't think he lost. <laughs> yeah, it. it's, uh, you, you know yourself. Like I mean, like like not being bad, but like we get players that like finish their careers and then come home and. They just want to play one last season in Ireland, but I think he came back back home and he was still capable of like he was still like a class player yeah. when he came back. So it wasn't just like to come home and just do whatever. Like he was actually into it, and like he's yeah, he was he was an amazing player. It wasn't really like uh, Duff. That. Like Duff was completely finished when he came back. He was terrible. Yeah, and, and you know, like, and I can see why he wanted to play. Obviously, like you know, like he wanted to come home and do that thing in the league. But like, I just felt like that kind of stuff. Like that tainted the star, I thought a little bit. You know, like like I I love Damien Duff. He's like one of the best Irish players of all time. I just, just that kind of stuff. I like you know just just give it up. You know, I know it sounds terrible. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's not. I I just think that you know if you're like bringing your kid to a Rovers game and to see like an Irish legend and he's like he's he can't even he's he's not at the pace of the game around that. I think it it kind of looks at it's kind of a bad look for the league too in the fact that it's a really good league and I don't think people appreciate. How good it, the league is, at, like the the standard, and you, you see when when he came back, he wasn't able to keep up. So I think that that was a little bit of a testament to the league as well. So do you have a favourite ever Rovers game that you saw when you were in Ireland? Um, not in Ireland. Like, like I, I must say, like my like my favourite game, like was was the was the final last year. Like I watched it here. Um, 
like um, I, I paid for it. It wasn't it was official. I wasn't streaming it legally online around with that. Let's get that clear. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that like that was one of the best games of football. No matter who was involved, I'd ever seen. So uh, I just I, I, the, the game last year was, was was incredible. So obviously, you do keep an eye on us from afar. Yeah, like it's you know obviously the the world we live in now it's a lot easier like to to kind of keep an eye on it like it's um, you know there's so many streaming services and stuff like that like it's it's always uh, it's so easy to keep on top of stuff it's definitely it's obviously not the same as being at a game and stuff like that but it's the next best thing and um, I really I, I enjoy I enjoy the games I kind of like you, you know like when you're watching that and you can just hear. The Irish accent on the side, like you know, they, they kind of watch your house kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss all that, you know what I mean? Because obviously, like here in Canada, they they don't have the same phrases kind of thing. If I said that to somebody here, they'd be like, "What, what the hell are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. So it's a like kind of it's a little nostalgia trip every time I get to watch uh, the games on TV. But you've adopted a team as well over there in Nova Scotia called the Halifax Wanderers, and I was having a little look online and stuff like that. They've got their their media presence is pretty good. And, um, what what's the standard like over there? And tell us how you got involved with them. So there was kind of rumblings for like the last couple of years that the uh, they were going to create a professional league here in Canada. So Canada obviously has uh, MLS teams. They've got the Whitecaps. Um, they've got Toronto and Montreal Impact. But they but beneath that there was only kind of like second or third division American football. Um, and a lot of a lot of the kids were kind of just like going abroad or going to the the academies of the MLS teams and then just going nowhere really and just being ended up on the scrap heap so they decided to kind of come along and create a Canadian Premier League for um, for those kind of guys to be able to showcase their talents and stuff like that so Halifax um, doesn't really have any professional teams so it was kind of there was rumblings that we were going to get one um, and then last uh, two years ago they brought over a, um, a select team from Fortuna Dusseldorf and they had their first game downtown uh, they've created like a little uh, modular stadium in the in the middle of the downtown uh, core here in the city. Um, so like basically you can just go for a point in the, like like downtown and then just walk across the road and uh, see a game. So um, that was kind of the start of it. That they got like five or six thousand fans at the game, um, and it's kind of it just took off from there. And the league was announced last year. There's there's only seven teams. So like and they're spaced out all over Canada. So I think the one of our away games is the second longest away game in world football it's no like way. the team in victoria in british columbia that's um on the other side it's it's yeah it's, so you're not it's getting a bus put it that way yeah, yeah exactly you know it's like the only people that they got the the, the first game that the first wanderers game was uh away at pacific which is like the on the other side and um there was like five wanderers fans there i think it was probably just people that live in the local neighborhood <laughs> that felt bad or something but um yeah it's been great for the city like i didn't realize with so many football fans here in, in in halifax um obviously ice hockey baseball and basketball are the big sports here in canada so to see so many football fans get into it it's it's been great and the atmosphere of the games is is incredible like if you ever get a chance to to come over i definitely recommend it. it's 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 a great time um What's the attendance is like every week now? It, it they had like the they had the second highest attendance of the, the league last year, and it was like six thousand, six and a half thousand every game. Um, yeah, I think their like their lowest one was like three and a half thousand. That was like a, a very badly uh, um, put together game that was like midweek. Um, but apart from that, then they've had like 
six six and a half thousand and it's like it's a great time like i mean it's it's a kind of there's different sections of the the ground like there's ones where the, the kind of hardcore fans go to and then there's a family section so you're able to like stand around the, the side of the pitch if you want to and just have a beer and watch the game and um like there's nobody bothering you or anything like that you just kind of it's a bit of cracking um you might get the odd uh you might get the odd away fan there that you can kind of like take the piss out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all taken a good fun. So what's it like with the sport completely shut down everywhere? And when does it look like the leagues in Canada might return to action? Um, so like here in Canada, it's, it's a little bit different than what it is back home because obviously the country's so big. So it's all divided into the provinces. So each province is kind of like its own like little state kind of thing. So they all have different... Um, the timelines for coming back so like Ontario and Quebec where Toronto and Montreal and stuff is they've been uh, way worse affected than here in Nova Scotia so their timeline's different to what it is here but they've opened up the parks um, in the last like week or two um, people are allowed to see members of their family um, so some of the players have been able to kind of get together and um, go and like do a little bit of training together and stuff like that but there's no definite um timeline for coming back they're talking about using like a neutral stadium somewhere and having like mini tournaments or something like that so with behind closed doors so it's all up in the air right now it's kind of like the way it's back home in ireland like there's no definite uh resumption like it, there's kind of like ideas being floating around but there doesn't seem to be anything kind of concrete yet so late last year you uh started up the down the pub podcast to talk wanderers and canadian football so how did you get the idea to launch the show and what sort of guests do you have on from time to time? So, I've, I've, I'm sure you guys are the same. Like, you know, you're you're at the pub with your friends and you're kind of like talking talking football and you think you know everything and it's like, oh, do you know what? The world needs to hear me hear me say this stuff. So, pretty much it. Well, um, we do, you're basically it? describing the origins of Tales and Lisa. <laughs> <man. laughs> so, yeah, it, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, like me and my friends were just kind of like, uh, talking away and we kind of said oh it'll be great we started a podcast and w- when the Wanderers started like I kind of you know as I said like I, I realised there was a lot more football fans here in the city than what I thought so I was like you know there's probably people that want to hear this kind of stuff so I just said to myself I was like hey let's let's give it a go um, started off with me and my buddy at the, the local pub we had uh, my Mac um, a phone and two sets of headphones, two sets of earphones, and we were like nervous as hell. And I kind of, I kind of set myself a goal of like, you know, that like if I can get like two people other than my family to listen to it, that's what we were like though. We were saying if we could get ten people every week listening, this, this is great. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I, I got, I got a little bit more than um, I, I got. A little bit more than the ten. I think I got like fourteen, and four four of those weren't PE listens. So uh, I kind of I kind of kept it going, and then like I kind of started it off as like just talking like the English Premier League and that kind of stuff, and then you know um, I started going to Wanderers games, and I started kind of getting into a little bit more. So I kind of branched out into the Canadian Premier League, but you know um, the, the last obviously I'm sure you guys are finding it the same way. Footballers are a little bit bored right now; they're kind of stuck at home and don't have much to do so they're kind of open a little bit more for having interviews so I've had a couple of players in the league here um, there's like Daryl Fordyce he plays for Valor which is out in Winnipeg he played for uh, Schleiger Rovers last year yeah we remember um, him well he scored an absolute cracker against us out in the showgrounds <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, and like it, it was just like, you know, just reached out on Instagram and he was down for, for chatting and stuff. Like, he's a really nice guy, even though he's a Rangers fan. Yeah. Um, and, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. He's a Rangers fan, is he? <laughs> and then um, I we had like Chris Chris Wardek who plays for Bowes. Like, I obviously I wanted to kind of get that angle of a Canadian player playing in Ireland. Just this kind of see what that was like for him so did you I pronounce it on. did you pronounce his name the way Gary does uh, Chris Twardick uh, no I, I actually spent a bit of time practicing it before I, I was talking to him um, so I think I did alright but he hasn't talked to me since so I probably did get it wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then I had like uh, Ben Fisk who played for Derry there a couple of years ago uh, he plays for there's a new team here in Canada called the Let's Go Ottawa um, Atletico Madrid. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Atletico Ottawa. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's so Atletico Madrid like uh bought it bought a franchise in the really? Canadian Premier League. Yeah, like uh three months ago, three or four months ago. Um, so they've got like a coach who used to play in the in the La Liga called Mista. <laughs> Mista. So he's a he's a he's their head coach, and uh, the, the players all got to go over to. Uh, the training grounds in Madrid there just before the pandemic really hit so they got to spend like a week or two in Madrid training with the uh, being around the the, the let go first team and all that kind of stuff oh, that's so, pretty cool um, yeah and then I, uh, tomorrow like I, I got to talk to, to Aaron uh, McAdef there last week the week before um, so I just just a chance thing I decided like give him a shout and see would he be interested in, in chatting and I guess he's Gone out of his mind up in Derry, like just bored out with his tits as well. So yeah, he's a great <laughs> lad. In fairness, now he's uh, Aaron's. He's totally bought into life at Rovers. He's a top lad. Doesn't surprise me. He uh, he went on with you. Uh, and it was fantastic. Like I mean, he's so laid back, and it was just it was like just talking to the way we're talking now. It wasn't like any kind of anything pretentious or anything like that. Like you know, some players have that media head on them. You know yourself when you're talking to them that like they're. Uh, they they're afraid to say stuff because they don't want it out in the world. Or they're afraid they're going to slip up. And he he was just like, just like talking when your friends in the pub. It was great. So yeah, we've we've had some good players on. We've had some some players on here in Canada. And um, you know sometimes it's just me and my friends just shooting the shit about football. Like obviously the Bundesliga is back, so we have a little bit of stuff to talk about too. So um, yeah, it's it's been great. I'm sure it's been the same for you guys. Like I mean, like uh, as I said, like the players are kind of bored right now so I'm sure you guys are getting some of the interviews you didn't think you'd be able to yeah we had an extravaganza last night it was probably one of the best things that um, I've seen Rovers put on in a long time we had the big night in and there was there was it was on for like four hours maybe there was a, a quiz and in between the quizzes there was segments there was interviews it was one of the well, most well put together things I've ever seen. It was it was brilliant, and we raised a few quid for it as well. So I'm, I'm delighted that that went down a tree. But it was brilliant. It was so well put together. Um, it just really was a great night. So that's that's something that wouldn't have happened if if this uh, didn't happen. So we are uh, making lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Right? You kind of have to, right? And it, like to be honest, it's it's been a great insight for uh, for people to hear what footballers are, are doing while this is going on. Like, I mean, they all still need to keep fit. Like, I know in Ireland, like, you were five games in. The players here in Canada were just in pre-season. They hadn't had a, had a game in anger yet. So, um, just trying to, like, tap into, like, what they've been trying to do to keep themselves fit has been kind of fascinating, too. Well, uh, your marketing strategy uh, seems to be working because you sponsored Thomas Lewis' jersey. And uh, it's certainly got our attention, hence why you're... 
on the show right now. So let people know where they can find your podcast. Yeah, it's, um, so if you head to uh, downthepub.ca, um, you can pick up all the episodes there. We're also on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, wherever you normally find your podcasts, we're there. Um, yeah, it's uh, like a, it'd be great for people back home to, to hear um, what's going on over here in Canada because I'm sure we might see some Irish players tip up here um, with, when the leagues are. So they've only had one season here so far, but um, the standards being really good and I think it surprised a lot of people and they've attracted pretty decent players now in the off season so um, this year I think the standards are going to be a lot better so we might see some Irish lads end up here playing here in Canada Yeah that interview with Aaron McInniff you said it's going to be up on Sunday so by the time people hear this show on Monday it'll already be up so go check that out so Anthony yeah. thanks very much for talking to us Cheers Anthony talk yeah. again right yeah, I really appreciate it, lads. And uh, keep up the good work. The podcast is amazing, and it's a it's a great way for me to keep on track of what's happening back home. It's uh, it's great to hear familiar accents, and uh, appreciate you talking to me. Cheers, man. Much appreciated. Thank you. Take care, lads. Yes, that was Anto. Fair play to for coming on, and uh, definitely a, a, a talkative guy. Could have went on for a lot longer. So it's uh, Nova Scotia. So they finally got seven teams in the league. It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, it's I'm surprised they never had a league before that, actually. Just being honest. Yeah, I didn't realise until you said it that it was only established last year. I assumed it was going a while. It's crazy, isn't it? No football league in Canada until last year. Oh, did he not say there was no football team in Oh, was it? I'm not too sure, but I thought I got from that that it was a no football league. Because you don't really hear much of it, do you? I never, I don't know, but either way, we'll check it up. What well, is a professional league, I assume? Yeah, yeah, I presume there is, yeah. We but, clearly listen very closely to our, our guests. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so seven teams in the league and uh, some massive away days there as well. Well, yeah, no, great show for Anthony to come on. It was great talking to him. You've often said that, didn't you? If, if you moved abroad, you would adopt a local team. <sighs> you have to. You have to. Like, if yeah. you're going anywhere and you're staying there for more than six months or whatever, you have to. Well, I would anyway, because I'm a football fan, so obviously I'm going to adopt a team that's local. Okay, so uh, the big night in the quiz. Uh, it was held online just past Friday night and it was fantastic stuff Prof. really really well done it was brilliant it was fantastically organised and great fun oh you had a fucking ball it was brilliant I mean despite your lowly position uh, yeah well see I don't cheat so you know all the cheaters <laughs> out there I hope you can sleep at night because I'm telling you now half of the fuckers cheated fair enough some people will go to quizzes quite an ageist quiz as well I must say mm-hmm. but oh, no, some- no sour grapes here no so I have some rants about these questions. No so grapes here, but uh, I got over a thousand points. I'm happy with that. Me and Siobhan Keane were going head to head, and she's uh, she's claiming that she beat me, but she said she logged in twice, which I don't believe. So there's a Stewart's inquiry going into that. Winner gets a steak dinner. Well, listen, I didn't do much better than you. I, I finished way down the leaderboard, but what, what did make me feel better was Joey. Joey O'Brien said the same. He was down there. Yep. He wasn't quite happy with some of these questions. And but, can, uh, can it be said that uh, there's a certain clique that were high up the leaderboard and certain quiz masters who compiled the questions? Just throwing that out there, you know? Never know. No, no, I have a good, inter- good authority that only Joe's and Martin uh, arranged the questions. So I, don't I, don't, I don't doubt the integrity of these men at all. Uh, Prophet's doing bunny ears right now. Here is my... Uh, beef with the question, right? Right. Well, everyone like there was a there was a bizarre moment with the Avengers Endgame question. 
That was obviously. I got that straight away though, because I when I saw Avatar, I thought to myself, okay, that's the highest grossing film in a long, long time. So that's what I just put one and one together. Thought, right, boom, that's yeah, that. Yeah, eventually I figured out what it meant, but it was for everyone was just you could almost feel the bamboozlement around the city, <laughs> staring at the screen <laughs> like what? What's and, going on here? and Peter Madden just read it out as normal. I, lo- I loved his professionalism. Just like this clearly makes no no sense, but I'll just read it anyway. Oh yeah, those we yeah. had Poddle as well. Twelve cans yeah. of Poddle for the four prize. So big shout out to the four provinces once mm. again. The prof was uh, supping on some there recently. That was gorgeous. But uh, now here's my real complaint. Paul McGrath, I'm with you on this. That marble question was absolutely horrendous, right? And I say this as someone who has seen every single marble film. Some I've seen a lot of them more than once, right? So I'm not, I'm not a super fan or anything, but I've seen them all. Who the fuck is Clint Barton? Shit name as well. Clint Barton? Hawkeye. I was looking at it going, who the fuck is Clint? How would I even know Hawkeye? Has Hawkeye got his own movie? I don't think so. How the fuck are we supposed to know his real name? <laughs> he sounds like a third division footballer. No. Yeah. Rubbish left back. <laughs> Honest to God. Mm. Well, anyway, congratulations to Peter Murphy. He he, he won, unsurprisingly. He, he won the George Byrne Memorial Quiz as yeah. well. With Joey O'Brien was on his team. He was actually our first ever Patreon interview, remember? Oh, lovely remember stuff. Remember I was yeah. chatting to him about winning the quiz, so I mean... He would have been Bucky's favourite. Well, some reckon his sister is the real brains. Yeah, we've heard this one already. And that she was sitting alongside him, two metres apart, of course, but she was sitting alongside him, feeding him some of those answers. Now, that's just what I heard now, right? Uh, interesting contestant names. You had Dan Lambert, Butler's Jocks. <laughs> uh, Winston <laughs> went down well. Winston went down a tree. Yeah, yeah. went down an absolute tree. Head case. Buzz couldn't get enough of them. Yeah. Loved them. Sounds like they might have patched things up, uh, Winston and Mona. The way I, yeah, I think there. so. He's back in the gaff anyway. Yeah. I think it's that physical attraction, like that that fire, that spark when they first met. <laughs> it's it, back. It, it never goes away, yeah. does it? Like best, best luck with them. But uh yeah, has some great guest appearances, Gar. I got hammered. I got absolutely hammered. Mark Lynch, list of hatred. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. 100% list of hatred. Oh, yeah, like sometimes you're supposed to get the odd one right, the ones you guess. I, I wasn't even getting any luck with that. Like, process of elimination failed me totally when it came to this. Totally. Um, well, I was, was it 161st. What were you, Prof? Like I said, they are not much better. <laughs> I mean, the low, the low, or the high hundreds. Let's say. <laughs> I'm telling you now, plenty of cheaters out there. And I hope he's gonna sleep at night. <laughs> Fucking cheating. Left, right and centre. There was a window to Google as well. I'm telling you, there's cheaters out there. And you'd make me sick. Lovely interview by Ryan Thompson. Uh, talking about saving PKs. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. And they beat us They beat us to it. So, uh, Rovers media team, Lister Hadred. <laughs> They're on that as well. Because they beat us to, to, to Goda. Great to hear from him as well though. Great to watch us. Jaden couldn't believe us. Doing the quiz with Jaden and he couldn't believe something to say. He couldn't believe the save. He was like, he was gonna go for us. I was like, yeah, yeah. He made that save. I was like, yeah. <laughs> couldn't believe it. But the most shocking appearance of the night. Not Winston and his many filters. Not Ryan Thompson. Got a Pat Tutty. Patrick Tutty Jr. As he a made, live and yeah. breathe care. He made an appearance in his uh, in his I was in his kidnap van. 
He won't do the podcast, but he'll do a video interview. Yep. Uh, says a lot about uh, how he feels about himself, doesn't it? Quite vain. I don't know what to do with this guy. But yeah, no, he was in there and he was fresh. I think must have been knocking around the Phoenix Park, you know. But yeah, it was great stuff. Paulie O'Brien, big shout out to him as well because he was um, he's he's done so much with the GoFundMe and organising this all together. And everyone who was involved, it just really was a, a collective effort and it was fantastic stuff. I loved yeah, it. Well done to everybody involved. It was it was brilliant. Uh, they played that cup final video again. Uh, try and watch that without getting all the feels. The feels. Goosebumps every time. Feels everywhere. Yeah. It was a good question, actually. I know I'm, I'm slagging Joe's, but some of the questions were great. I loved the, the cover of the the uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Bands, the Beatles. And there was a question related to us, actually, because we were doing this Player of the Year series. And there was one where I said... Which of these haven't won it in successive seasons? And the options were Dave Connell, Barry Murphy, I actually Jody, know that one. Jody Byrne and Liam Buckley. I got that right because I'm I like it's actually on our Wikipedia page and that's something yeah. that I mentioned on the show before. Is that yeah. no other club has a list of player years. So yeah. it's something that I always noticed. I think you and I have been staring at that list a few times now because we're thinking of our next yeah, list to yeah, have on. Definitely, so yeah. That was a great question. Uh, Greg Bolger, Garrett, I think he's been seeing black market hairdressers with his blonde Asada, highlights. I saw that, yeah, I saw that. Pulls it off, though, pulls it off. Mm. Clearly, I have not seen a barber in months. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, get, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say where I'm getting my hair cut. <laughs> I, can't, I can't divulge that information. But yeah, so next up, we have uh, the elusive, the ever elusive uh, Scotsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Craig Sivez, so we're delighted to, to chat to him. So here's Sivy. Okay, so we've a special interview today. It's former Shamrock Rovers defender Craig Sivez, a big fan favourite from his four-year spell with the club. So, Craig, you grew up in Edinburgh, played for youth club Hutchinson Vale before signing for your boyhood favourite Hearts in June 2002. So, what do you remember from that time? Um, I knew, I knew from about the middle of 2000 that I was going to be signing for Hearts. Um, so. In hindsight, that probably wasn't wasn't the best because my schooling kind of took uh, took second place um, for my final couple of years, and I I got through it. I'd done done relatively well in my exams and stuff, but yeah, it was my focus was just say I'm you know I'm going to Hearts, I'm going to be a footballer. So and uh, um, you impressed in the clubs under nineteens and the reserve teams. You made two league starts in two thousand four, two thousand five. Wasn't it enjoyable spell? Uh, the, the initial yeah the initial period in the 19s it was the first the first year was difficult uh, it was a big jump for, for under 15s football into, into 19s football and I'd missed the first sort of two two months I'd done pre-season and then after pre-season I started to get problems with my back so even back then I was I was getting issues um, and yeah I missed the first couple of months I think it was and then and finally, I got I got into the I got into the 19s team, and you know my form wasn't great to be honest. Um, and my youth team manager at the time, Joe McGlynn, he was he was playing me in the 19s, and I was playing. I was still available for the still eligible, sorry, for the 16s on this on a Sunday. So I was playing Friday Sundays for a large part of the season. And you know, he, he just said to me, "Look, you're you're going to get through this. Like, I'm just going to keep playing you. It's the only way you're going to get through this is by playing games." So. 
that's what he done. Eh? The last game of the season, we played Hibs. Uh, done really well, scored, beat them 4-0. And then, you know, took a lot of confidence for that going into the following season. And so I had a purple patch between um, when we're, where we're now, 2003, 2004. Uh, done really well and got in the reserve team and I was playing 19s and reserves all the time. Started to get a couple of squads. Um, and then the following season, I, you know, pushed into the, into the first team. I was, I was in a lot of squads and I was on the bench quite a lot. I was an unused double at the time. It was, it was, it was, it was difficult, but I managed to get a couple of games. Um, but it was certainly in, in the nineteens. It was, it was enjoyable. You've been playing a lot of football there, though. So I mean, you'd loan spells with Partick Thistle and Queen the South, which were plagued by injuries and. Subsequent years, really. So a groin injury, double hernia, ankle ligaments. How frustrating was that? And mentally as well, how much of it was a challenge? Ah, uh, it was a, it was a bit of a nightmare. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I mean, what happened at Hearts? So when did it all start? It was I'd done my three years at 19s, and then I'd, I'd signed two years professional. Um, and then that pre-season, I can remember it clear as day. It was. Uh, <laughs> So the first two weeks, we had no, there was no manager in charge of the club. So the club, had, the fitness coach was in charge. It was, it was bizarre. Um, and then George Burley got the job. And I can remember we were running, there was a running track on the grass. And um, it was one. Of, it was George Burley had just been announced, and he just he was walking up the hill. I could see him, and I just started, I started running a little bit faster. There, mm-hmm. my hammy just popped. So, so, so you saw the gaffer, the new gaffer. You thought you'd impress him. That was it. That was it. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the hammy went. So, being, just being young and naive at the time, you're like, oh, I'll just I'll play through it. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a full tear. I done that later on. Um, it wasn't a full tear. It was just a a strain. Um, but I, I played through it stupidly, um, and yeah, ended up, you know, I was putting all the pressure on my back, and uh, I ended up missing. Yeah, the whole the whole of that season eventually, um, and then I went to Thistle the season after, and I started to get I started started quite well actually. We were doing well. Um, it was October November, um, and I started to get problems in my groin, my lower stomach. Um, so I had to go back to Hearts and, and rehab it. Went back, went back to Thistle for the rest of the season. I was so in March. I went back playing, but I just wasn't right. So I ended up getting a double hernia operation end of that season. And during that off season, Hearts Hearts got rid of all the physios, so there was no physios at the club. So when I went back, there was just they brought in this. There was a Bulgarian doctor, and he basically just said like, "You need to, you need to keep moving." Get rid of the scar tissue, so we'll just go back and train, basically. So like what, the first day of pre first day of pre-season, you've they brought in uh, there've been new coaches have been brought in. This is when Romanoff, the Lithuanian boy, was was in charge. Um, so they'd be looking, they'd be looking, watching pre-season and just think, what the fuck's wrong with this boy? Like, like I was miles off it. Um, so Romanoff so came in and just said, okay. Physios all gone on bringing in a Bulgarian doctor. No, no like you could be here all day, but no, he, Romanov came in when Burley was in, when, just before Burley got appointed. Um, and 
it's just mad shit went on like yeah <laughs> I can only imagine yeah. these owners can be a bit eccentric to be say the least yeah like, especially on the physio side of things so there was a guy called Alan Ray he'd been there for years at Hearts um, he had a wee follow with George Burley uh, it was actually after a trip to Ireland actually played Pats and Bray um, so he he was quickly um, let go and brought a, brought a guy into Tottenham boy Ollie Finlay <laughs> And there was one day that I was getting I was getting a bit of treatment. They brought this guy and called him called him pajama man. He just wore his pajamas. <laughs> and um, I'm not joking you. And um, so I'm lying on I'm lying. So Ollie's like, look, Sevy, this boy wants to have a look at you. He's like, out of my hands. He's like, right, well. So I'm lying I'm lying in the front and he's he's not touching me. So he's saying stuff and they've got this translator. The woman, she's translating back and. I'm just popping. I keep popping my head around and looking at Ollie. And Ollie's just sitting on the other, on the other physio table, like just shaking his head. And I'm like, Ollie, what the fuck's going on here? He's, like, he's, just, he's just shaking his head, and he's like, um, "Yeah, I'm using the power of faith to get you back." And I was just, "This is coming for the, this is coming for the translator." And I'm just like, "Ollie, what the fuck?" And he's just he's just shaking his head, and then he just he just walked out the room, and I, I've never seen him since. So it didn't like, work anyway. After that. Yeah, no, so that was one that was one bizarre thing that happened. Uh, then there was other folk brought in. Um the fizzers were all they were all sound, there was guys fingering New Zealand, whatever. Um there was always a, there was always a couple of Lithuanians in the background. Um so he he was like he was giving me like um homeopathic injections for my for my groin. Right. But like speaking of speaking of folk after it, they're like, it's just a load of shit, like it's just essentially just <laughs> injecting you with water. It's just it's fucking nonsense. So um, I got the double hernia. I went back to pre-season. Obviously, still four weeks after a major operation, I just wasn't right. So um, rehab that. I kind of got kind of was in and out of pre-season there, just trying to get back playing. Uh, ended up going to Dundee. That was about a month, a month there. I just still wasn't right, so I had to go back. I went back to the Hearts and. I ended up missing the whole of that season, um, but not through through choice. Actually, what had happened is I was sort of signed for Dundee. I went back to Hearts. It's got to January. I was fit to start training again. Dundee were the like joint top of the league. I just I was looking at who'd been playing. The two centre halves hadn't missed a game, so I was just like, "There's no point in me going up to sit on the bench." So I was like, "Can you get Dundee just to?" cancel my loan contract and Hearts were like nah I'm not doing it just because Dundee were paying my wages so to, to save a few hundred quid a week they refused to to cancel my loan because I had a chance to go to Queen of the South that's, that January as well like that season ended up getting to the Scottish Cup final um, so I ended, ended up just training with the first team for the for the last six months of that season um, that's when the guy Stephen Frail was in charge and that's how the kind of Rovers thing came about um, but just after that that next season I went to Queen of the South um, on the last day of the deadline deadline day and I'd done two months there at the end of my second month boys done me in training done my ankle uh, so that was the ligaments done, that was the ligaments done was it yeah yeah I was Meg done ran round done and he just scissored me so <laughs> my ankle was fucked like but the boys the uh, the guys that went to the south, the manager and assistant, the coaches that they were like, "Nah, we want you to keep playing." And I was just like, "Well, Michael, Michael's like a balloon, eh?" 
I was like, I can't, I can't play. So I missed one game, and then the physio, the physio uh, queen of the south, he didn't really want to. He was one of the physios that would never like want to give bad news to the to the manager. So he would always just say, "Ah, he's fine. We can train on Thursday." So that was what he kept saying. And they were like, "But the physio's saying you're fine." I'm like, "I'm not fine. I'm not saying the week." Like, look at my ankle. It's a fucking balloon. Like, you could see it. <laughs> but they were like, "You need to, you need to, you need to play." And I said, like, oh, "Fuck it, I'll just play." So I went out with like a case of, you'd get a strap in, I'd get a strap in, and I'd get a strap in on top of a strap in. So I've got this absolute Stooky an ankle, played the last three games. I was absolutely shite. Like, couldn't move. But in this time, I'd, I'd went to see the manager at Hearts to say, Look, this is just before I'd done my ankle. I was like, What's the script like? I'm out on loan. I'm going to be part of your plans because I was going to England for potentially getting paid up and maybe going to Queen of the South. But he was like, oh, no, I don't know, you'll need to speak to the sporting director. So I went to speak to them. It was through a translator again. Um, and they were like, oh, no, we've, you know, we've seen you've been doing well. We think you deserve a chance at Hearts, at least to come back and train with the first team. So I was like, all right. Uh, so they're like, oh, you seem quite surprised by that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm quite surprised, actually. I was expecting that maybe you'd want to release me because we've got, you know, we've got 70-odd players on the books. And they're like, all oh, right, you, you'd like a payoff. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pay off, but you know, I'm just I'm just surprised that you've said that you you want me back involved at least training when when the loan spells up. Oh well, you know if, if if that's something that you like you'd like to do, then you know we could we could come in agreement. I was like, no, no, I, I don't want to pay off. Like, and then so I went back. Obviously, done my ankle. I came back to Hearts with, at the end of the loan spell with my ankle still in bits, and the boy that uh, the sporting director Anatoly, the Russian boy. He's came down into the physio room and I'm sitting in the physio room and he's just looked at me and he's seen my ankle and he's like, oh, what is this? What is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's like my ankle's fucked, obviously. You can see that. Um, and he's like, no, this is this is problem. This is problem. You're always injured, always injured. I was like, this is to the translator. I'm like, uh, I was like, Tino, like, just tell him. Like, a month ago you said that you want me to come back and potentially train with you. And he's like, no, 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 always problem, always injured. <laughs> so um, I had to go for a meeting with him uh, later on that afternoon. And I had, so I had two and a half years left on my contract and I, I worked it out, it was about 60, 60 grand left. Did you know what was coming when you were going into that meeting? You were thinking, right, this is... Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew it was over. I knew it was curtains. So... Um, like, this is what we like to offer you. So it's seven grand. So I was like, I was just like, nah, no way. I was like, look, I've got two and a half years left. I've got 60 grand potentially in wages. You offer me seven. like, And they're like, oh no, you will ruin your career. You will ruin your career. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care. I was like, you gave me this contract. You can't just offer seven grand. So yeah. I was holding it for 30 because 30 was the tax free limit. I think it still is for pay ups. So this went on for the rest of the month. Um, and eventually I, I didn't get 30 grand I wouldn't even offer it but um, that went on for the next month they were offering 10 grand 14 grand like nah, 20 grand I was like nah and then eventually I got to the last day and like listen we'll give you 25 I was like yeah that's fine yeah, so that. that was me done but, that, but at this point Michael had already been in touch or touch base just to see what the script was so so that came through Stephen Frail who he I think he's he's quite friendly with um, 
And yeah, I was just having lunch one day and Shaggy said, Sammy, Michael Nunes went on to me, he's going to like, get the Shamrock Rovers job, is that something you'd be interested in? And I, was, I was just, yeah, I was kind of easy about it, I was just like, yeah, give it, give it a go. And then there was a few Irish boys, they were at the table next to me. So when Shaggy had left, they were like, fucking hell, you need to go, like, you need to go. It's like, it's a massive, a massive club, you know, big, big fan base and, you know, they've been through tough times. So they basically, there was an Irish lad, a couple of Irish lads, yeah, they gave me the, sorry, like the lowdown of what it was like over there. And they were like, no, there's like, the, like, who was it? Who was in this Champions League at the time? Like, shells and bows, and they were paying like silly money to boys. So like, there's a potential to earn a good wage. So I think boys were getting like a grand a week and stuff. Ah, it was. That was when the yeah, lights of balls and that were giving out mad yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, you know, there's. What was it, the Celtic Tiger, I think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the arse fell out of that just as I joined, but it's just one When was the first conversation yeah, so, with uh, Michael Neal, and what was that like? When was the first, what was that, sorry? When was the first conversation with Michael Neal, and how did that go? Um, so he stays in Edinburgh, he actually stays a couple of minutes drive away from me. Um, so I met him in, in Edinburgh, just in a, I think it was a Costa or something. And he just he just said like this is this is what's happening. I'm, I've got the Shamrock Rovers job. I'm I'm going to be getting ready a lot of players. Um, you know I'll need you know. He actually said he said I've already got like two centre halves at the moment and Dara and Edo. Um, you know I need another one or two at least. So I'd like you to come over and I know you've had your troubles with injuries and and whatnot, but at least like come over and you know get a look at you. So. I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, no, well, let's, let's sort that out. So, um, he was like, come over, we're training at Ulster, Ulster University. And, yeah, he, I flew in with uh, Greg Cameron. He was like, just come over for a couple of nights, uh, a couple of days. And, yeah, just train and see how, see how it goes. So, yeah, we went over there and, to be fair, it didn't go very well. I was, you know, I was miles off it. I can mind the first um, the first time we went to eleven v eleven. Michael was actually left back. I was left centre back. Had Killers and uh, Doyler up front, and oh, Killers was winning flick ons. Doyler was getting front of me. <laughs> oh, I was just stinking uh, up the training like, page. Uh, I was just like, fuck, I'm miles off it here. Like, um, so uh, done that, and then Michael was like, look, um, we're playing new. I think it was Newry. I think. I can't remember, I think it was New Year they were playing. So we went back to Edinburgh, came back over, um, played New Year. Again, I d- like I started, I think I came off the bench. I ended up playing right back, actually. Again, I didn't think I'd done great. I was, I just wasn't fit, didn't feel fit at all. Um, but Michael was like, no, I'll come back down and train. So came back, went back to Dublin, trained at Sacred Heart a few times. Sacred heart. Uh, yeah, up the up in the hills. Up the hill, uh, yeah. Up in the Astro, yeah. <laughs> so that was the first time we went up there. That's when I was we're driving up and I could see this big white range over. So I was like, Michael, what the fuck are you been boys here? Yeah, that's that's Ada, <laughs> wasn't it? Just, yeah, yeah, he was just he just like he just started laughing and he's like, I'd just uh, calm yourself down there, son. Uh, <laughs> the the contract were quite competitive, weren't they, initially? Uh I still believe, like I never I never got anything. Uh, until until the May. So, what, what actually, what happened again? So I went, 
I went home actually. Michael, I went home and Michael said, "Look, we want to, we want to bring you in." So I was, in fact, no, I played Wexford as well. Oh, yeah. Played Wexford, so I actually came back over for. I think I stayed for about ten days in the Maldron and played Newry, trained, played Wexford. It may have been a shorter period than that. I can't remember. It may have been only a week. But again, went down to Wexford. I didn't think I'd done great. So I'm, I was just thinking, I'm not going to get signed here. Like, I was just waiting for the shout for Michael, basically. And you were um, happy enough to just go for it? Uh, yeah, and he, yeah, and he said, like, I want to bring you in. So I said, like, right, fine, let's do it. So um, we never agreed anything. Never agreed any terms or, or nothing like that. So it was like, just go back home, um, get some gear. He, he arranged a flight to come back in. I think it was a few days later. Uh, he's picked me up at the airport. We went to the, I think it's at the Matter, the Matter Hospital. Yep. Um, sounds all right. Yeah, so he never told me about that. So he's picked me up, took me to the hospital. He's like, oh, we're just going to do a few scans and stuff. He's like, fucking hell. This isn't going to be great. Um, and we've done the scans and... <laughs> The was it a horror story with, uh, when they took a look at your scans? No, well, so the boys came out with a, he came out with a, was, it, was that an X-ray or, no, i done an X-ray as well actually, and done a scan, he came out with the scan results, he's like, yeah, how's that going? I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's not bad, it's a wee, bit, a wee bit tight, and he's like, well, see that, see that white line there, he's pointing to it, it's like a centimetre long, he's like, that's, uh, that's a tear in your tendon, your tendons came away for, your, for the bone. So the tendon at the top of my groins came away for the for the bone and around the I think it must have the pubic bone. Oh jeez. So I was just like, fuck. Uh, um that's no good. <laughs> so that was so a failed I, medical then, so wasn't so it? Kind of, yeah, so kinda of an awkward it was kinda of an awkward silence. Um and he's like, That's gonna need, you know, months of rehab. So oh no. Um But I was hoping that I'd still they would maybe give me something. And I would do the rehab there, but uh, which actually that's what happened. So, um, so we're gonna we'll, we'll move I, on to the. Yeah. We've got a couple of questions now from fans, right? We've got Jason Maloney, and he has he said, right. <laughs> "Do you know Jason?" Uh, I, yeah, I can fix his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of the more outspoken Rovers fans, we'll say. So, when you got injured uh, early on in pre-season with Rovers, did you feel your chance was gone? And how much do you owe and rate Mike O'Neill for rescuing your career? Um. So yeah, basically, he's yeah. It's basically that's a continuation of this the story I was going to get to there. So we've had the scans. I've trained. I've went um, went to our bed. Wake up in the morning. Michael's home. me come and meet me in the in the hotel. So I've went down and obviously Michael's. He's um, yeah. I can just tell it's bad news. So he's like, I'm not going. I'm not going. You know, be about the bush here. We can't sign you. So I was like, yeah, I kind of thought that was that was coming. Um, he says I can't afford to give a give a wage out to a player that's not going to be be able to play for potentially three or four months. So. I totally understood where he was coming from, um, but he was like, "Look, listen, um, go and see Alan Bond, go and see this guy Liam Heaven, um, at a place called uh, DBC, and we'll see if we can do something." So, spoke to them, and they were really positive about the sort of program they could put me through, and seen Alan Bond, and you know, he was like, "Look, I'm going to have to give you a cortisone injection at some point. It's not going to be nice." Um, 
and you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to be at least two months potentially. This is the right thing. Um, so I went back home, and yeah, Stephen said, "Look, um, I've got in touch with Stephen McKenna." I was like, "Listen, I'm potentially going to come over to Rovers. They've not got anywhere to put me. Can I stay with you guys?" So um, they put me up at the house, Stephen and Tracy, Liam and Ross, and I ended up staying with them for for six months while well, I done my rehab. So yeah, I was back in Dublin, so on my own. Uh, just rehabbing for a, for a couple of months until I got, until I got back training. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a it wasn't really a, a gamble on Michael's part. Do you know what I mean? It was the club wasn't paying me. I came over off my own back. Um, so yeah, I appreciate the fact that he gave you the opportunity to, to go through that rehab process. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, obviously, you know, you know. Yeah, but you didn't actually make a debut, and you didn't actually make a debut until mid June. It was against Rod in the FAO Cup in Tala. We Darren McGuire on the podcast yeah. recently. He played, you played alongside right. him that day, but you pretty much replaced him for the season. And Ado was your centre back partner. So yeah, I played that. Aye, I was. Yeah, it was a draw of the game. I'd been on the bench a couple of times. I went up to went up to Derry on new sub. Uh, played a couple of home games, but I know I got stripped and then went up, went down to Cork on you saw again. Um, and yeah, that was an eye opener that game because Cork, Cork were very good. You know, Sully was playing, Muzz was playing, had Stevie O'Donnell, Joe Gamble, Colin Healy. Um, I can just remember Muzz was, Muzz was brilliant that night, so I'm looking, thinking, fucking hell. You know, he's probably one of the, looks like one of the top players in the league. Your future um, centre back partner. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking fucking hell. Edo and Dara, they're doing, they were doing brilliant as well. So I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm going to show you getting this team here. Um, and Edo, obviously, that draw the game. That was the first time I've been stripped. Actually, he pulled up in the warm up, and yeah, it was like 50 minutes before kick off. Basically, you're starting. So, so that was it. Um, so I done all right. Got cramp after about 75 minutes. Um, and yeah, just stayed in the team after that. I don't think. Um, we never lost a game actually that I played. I believe that's a fact. I think that is a fact. Um, I have to look into that one. Um, no, that's true. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, no, so yeah, I played, I think I played 23, 24 games maybe. Or less, a bit less. <laughs> I think the majority were either. I think I played, played a few games with Dara. Done, done pretty well but yeah it was me and Edo that formed a pretty good partnership and yeah we just went on just kept just kept winning games it was it was mad um, and before you know it you're you're sitting top of the league yeah top does, of the league uh, where was that so there's a new uh, there's a new Cristiano Ronaldo Netflix special I don't know if you know that it's just been released and you can see right. you can see Ronaldo being interviewed in the tunnel in Tala where he course he made his debut for Real Madrid, oh, yeah, yeah. you played in the first half of that game. Is it hard to believe, even looking back now? Oh, I was mad. Like, I remember seeing it in the paper, I was just like, nah, no chance of coming over here. No chance of the playoffs. But they did. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Like, I, didn't, I can't remember much of it the game, to be honest. I hardly touched the ball. <laughs> um, 
but I can just I can mind uh, what can I mind about the game? Can't mean much about the game, but before the game we were stripped and ready to go out in the hoops. Um and then Real Madrid they strutted in maybe about forty minutes before kickoff. And before you know it, you're told that you're not wearing the hoops, you need to get changed. Real Madrid are playing in white. So I don't know if that came for I'm assuming that came for Real Madrid because usually the refs, you know, they come in a good hour and a half before and look at the kit. So I think Madrid have just swaggered in. The game's <laughs> on telly. There's no chance we're not wearing the white strips. So, yeah, yeah. Find an alternative. So I think Jerry was in a bit of a, a panic here trying to get get all the gear out. So we had to change, quick change into the purple gear um, before the game. But yeah, I can't remember much about it. We Flinner on the game now. If you are hoping your memory, uh, we have a question from Flinner here. He says, "There's a okay. rumor that you were selling tickets on eBay for the Madrid match. The username was <laughs> Craig S4, but you still won't admit it." Oh dear! So we've got t- so basically, I knew we were getting two tickets, but like all there was, all my family were coming over, um, and we knew that it would it would sell out pretty quickly. So I was like, "Look, just." Just buy your tickets. Um, so they done that, but a few days before the game, we got given two tickets, and they, had, they still had the sixty euro in the front, so they weren't concessions. Um, so I had two sixty euro tickets in my hand, and I gave one to Steve McKenna that I was staying with. He knew somebody that wanted a ticket, so I just gave him that. So I still had this ticket, couldn't get rid of it. So I was like, oh, "Do you know what? I'm just going to stick this on eBay." <laughs> so two hundred quid. Um, <laughs> I just stuck it on. I was just stuck it on for a face value. Um, but my username was Sevy42. That had been my number at Hearts uh, in the early days. And yeah, training, training the next day. Uh, Michael's just had a wee, a wee meeting with us on the training ground. And he's like, um, I've just I've been made aware that, you know, folk are putting tickets online. Um under the username Sevy forty two. Oh dear, so I go caught. So he's like, you need, to, you need to take that down. So I feel <laughs> you're still being reminded. Yeah, that, is, that is, yeah, that is true. That is true. I did try to make 60, 60 euro off a free ticket. Yeah. So you Thanks, won- There you go. <laughs> you won the uh, the young player of the year award in two thousand nine, which was a nice way to cap it off. But we did just fall short of the league title at the end that season. Yeah, yeah, that was thinking. Thinking now, you don't you don't realise how how close we were to to actually winning it. Um, I mean, a lot lot of big results leading into the sort of final stage. It beat beat Sligo away two one, beat both one 0 Then we went to Derry, beat them one 0 um, <laughs> Yeah, we beat Drogheda. Then oh fuck, I can remember that now. So the next week we've played Drawda. So actually that week that after the dairy game I've went home for the weekend. Michael, that's the first time Michael's actually said said to me, Do you wanna do you wanna actually go home? So I was like, Yeah, I've already booked fights. He's like, right, no bother. Um so anyway, we've played we've played Drawda and I'm not having the best of the first halves. So getting a half time, he's like, Sivy. I was like, What the fuck's wrong with you? Hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, fuck. He's like what do you mean you're fucked? And I was like, I can't breathe. And he's like, you know why you can't fucking breathe? It's because you were out last weekend on fucking George Street. And I was like, oh, I was like, fucking hell. The spoilers got you. 
he's like, I was, but I wasn't. That was the thing. He's like, he's like, I tell you this. See after the game, give me your passport because you're not going home for the rest of the season. I was like, fuck you, know. <laughs> yeah, we won. I think we won the game two 0 and um, I just popped my head in after the game. I was like, you still want the passport, girl? From he's like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, but that I missed the next game. though. I was actually, I had a chest infection, and I. I should have just. I should have missed the. I shouldn't have played in the draw of the game, but I did. And yeah, I missed the court game. They lost two one, and I missed the uh, the Dundalk game. They won four two, and they put me back in for the Galway game. Was the court so, game where the Billy Dennehy score for Cork that day? Was it? Do you remember? Yeah, I think he did. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't actually go to the game. I just uh, I came in and done a. I tried to, you know, I I came in to see how it was and done a few laps of the pitch but sweat was absolutely pissing off me so I was like, mm. there's no way I can play like but I mind watching the, they played bowls on a Saturday night and like, they were a disgrace like but there was rumours that they hadn't been they hadn't been paid for for ages so you're kind of going into that game on the Tuesday thinking right hopefully they, you know, hopefully they don't get paid but they speaking to Billy you know a few months down the line he was like nah we got paid on the we got paid on the day that we came up to Dublin so they were absolutely fucking buzzing coming into that game. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they beat us, and then you know, they went up at Dundalk, and then unfortunately the the one one the goal we had Greener scored, I think he was running for the halfway line. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, uh, the equaliser. So yeah, it was an absolute sickener because you know we could have went into the could have won the two games. Well, we'd beat uh, if we'd beaten if we'd beat Cork and we'd beat. Um, Galway, you know, he could have went to the last game on, what did we finish on? 73? I think it was 73. We would have went in the game two points clear of Bose going into the Pats game, so you forget how close we were to actually yeah, no, the but... winner that year. The, um, it's, it's mad to think about it, but that, the, the Pats game, like, I think we had to win about 20 nil, did we not? <laughs> um, so, the, the heads were gone, like, I can remember that game, even the that was the first time I seen Trev lose the plot, like because the warm up was just it was a shambles. There was balls everywhere. Yeah, so the I heads were gone, buddy. Ah, yeah, yeah. You mind Trev just losing the losing the plot with us, like, but yeah, we're really close. That's a signal. Even thinking about it now, you now that we were probably should have won it that year. Honest, yeah. we'll move on to 2010 now as well so do you think there was a particular moment when you and Dan Murray started the jail and you thought you could win silverware well I don't think there was a, a particular moment um, to, to be fair I played a lot of games at right back that season um, I never I never started the season I was suspended for the Sligo game and then I played the Pats game, I was shite, we got beat 2-0, so he's dropped me for the Dundalk, we played, I think it was Dundalk the next game, so I sat on the bench that game, we lost 2-0, and he's put me back in, I think it was Galway, so me and Edo were playing a, a, wee, a wee game early doors, so who the fuck wants to, to partner Dan Murray this season, and um, that's the game Sully done his knee actually, so Sully, aye, Sully scored, Beat him one now. Sully scored, but Sully done his knee in the first half as well. Yeah, he, he, so missed, he missed right the back. entire season for that, yeah. Yeah, he missed. Yeah, he missed the whole season. Yeah. Um, so I finished the game at right back. He just came on at centre half, and I, I can remember he, I don't know, we ended up, I ended up playing centre half some games and going to right back, and he was playing Chambers at right back, 
Flynn, he couldn't really make up his mind um, who to who to really who to go with. But I can't remember the actual. I can't remember the point that started playing centre. no, I played a few games with Muzz at centre half, but the most were at right back. And then Big Muzz done his knee as well later on that season. So it was back. It was back being me and Edo. I'm pretty sure. So chopping so and changing in the defence yeah, in the yeah, league when it's easy. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I think I would have, you know, I think the games that I played with, with Edo and Muzz, potentially was about 50-50, I think. Um, but I did, I played, I played maybe 10 games at right back that season. Um, but yeah, again, that was, jeez, that was, um, yeah, that was mad. You know, I, used to, I think we played Pats on a, we played Pats on a Friday night and beat them 3-1 and well, I think we were seven, maybe seven clear, seven to go, I think, could be wrong. So you're thinking you've got it, you've got it, uh, you've got it sealed. Just getting a couple of wins. Yeah. And I think we went on a, we went on. We did we lose there? We lost at Dundalk five one. That was mad. Tipton got a hat trick, uh, didn't he? Fuck! Oh, that was a game. It was blowing a gale. It was oh, it was mental. We just couldn't get out of half because of the wind. It was like, Neil Fenn's debut, was it? Am I right? It could have been, aye. It could have been. Yeah, they were singing they'd been. rather have a tip than, than a fan because he, he was the infamous uh, fake <laughs> retirement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so he did. I said he retired and joined us. <laughs> He's a good player, by the way. But before we talk about the uh, the detail, could we jump back to the summer, actually, uh, Israel? Because that, that's a big one. It was actually you who just got above your marker and you flicked on that long trial from Stephen Rice. And then Tommy Stewart famously stuck away the winner. So we've heard the dressing room after that game was special, knowing that you'd earned the tie with Juventus in the next round. Oh, it was... It was... Um, everyone was kind, of, it was kind of in disbelief. I think we'd done most of the celebrations on the, on the pitch, and then when you get in the dressing room, it was kind of... It was pretty quiet. You know, it was just bizarre to think that you're, you're going to be playing Juventus and... In seven days, a competitive uh, game as well, an actual real game, not even a yeah, venue. exactly a real game, exactly yeah. But that, yeah, that, yeah, that was a that was a good wee trip actually. To be fair, it was a good wee trip over to Israel. Were you involved uh, in any sprints in the in the uh, hotel hallways? <laughs> oh, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. <laughs> I was mad. Me and Flynn, we'd uh, there was a there was a rooftop bar next to the hotel. So we did, we've ended up in there, and as you know, on nights out, people end up going at different times. And me and Flynn have ended up fucking, I don't know where the fuck we were, Gaza Strip or something. I had checkpoints with boys with AK 47s on the checkpoints. So, like, fucking hell, where are we? But um, I can just remember coming back into the hotel, and Trevor's standing at the end of the corridor, <laughs> and he's checking his watch. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And he's like, right, Bocker, go. <laughs> Next thing I just popped my head up the fucking up the corridor, and there's Bocker, bolly naked, just sprinting down the <laughs> sprinting down the corridor. So I Trev was uh, Trev was time and Bocker doing his naked sprints. So it was uh, that was bizarre. But we never got no any sleep that night either. We were starting to get light. We ended up going down the pool and just sitting there. Next thing Bocker comes out with six tins. Fuck, did you get them? He's like, oh, I got them last night. Never drank them. So. Fucking, <laughs> There we are, just sitting having, you know, order ten each, and just sat there and just soaking, soaking it up. Yeah, go play, go play Juventus in seven days, like so. 
it must have been a great experience yeah, the Juve thing was it I mean the biblical reign and Modena um, it kind of levelled out the game but the, the free kick from Del Piero that beat us what like, what what was it like playing in that game it must have been surreal the the second leg the, yeah the second leg in Modena oh no so I got I got dropped <laughs> me and uh, oh no I got the old uh, I got the old arrested shout uh, me and Ender me and Ender got pulled uh, a couple of days before like, we were playing bows at the weekend and so I'm going to go with Flinney and and uh, and muff the night, so I'll get like you. Was gutted there. Like, Mom and Dad came over as well for the game. So I think I remember uh, Michael O'Neill. Or no, I think it was Bucker was telling me that he he got something. He got a similar. Uh, did he get dropped? And he was told, "Listen, just don't get sent off." I think he, we've balls coming back from from Juve uh, on the uh, Sunday. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I listen. I I done. I didn't do great against Juventus in the first game at right back, and then we played Fingal. After that, we drew three each. I was I was at fault for the first goal. I can remember uh, uh, Zaid was at the back post, and you know obviously should have defended it better. So I kind of played my way out of the team for that that away leg. Um, but no, I did say like you'll you'll be back in on the on the Sunday. But listen, Flinney and uh, Flinney and Murph and everyone to be fair that night was brilliant. Um, so you knew after the game, I was like you, you can't change that team. I don't think he did to be fair I think he might have put Ender in but um, Flinney Flinney played in fact that's when Flinney got sent off didn't he that's when he kicked the other yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah so I came back in that game came back in after I think maybe about an hour an hour into the game and obviously we've won it pretty comfortably um, but like leading up there was a month two month period leading up to that like I was starting to get niggling pains in my groin again and it just it flared up again after that game and I missed a I missed a few games after that actually um, and I was I was in and out again he was he was, uh, he was mixing up between me and Flynn for a wee while and then when Muzz actually Muzz went, uh, went over and done his knee uh, his knee just went in training I can mind that nobody near him as well Um when he unfortunately got injured, that's when that's when I went back into centre half and uh, finished the season with I think it was end of myself, Edo and, and Flynn. That was the back four to to see out the season. But I uh, lost up at Fingal, lost the Bows game, and then no, sorry, lost it. Dundalk, the Fingal game that was like that was devastating. Like you can remember after after the game, like Michael's he's gone fucking bananas. Slammed the door, window smashed. It was, uh, that was devastating. You, you thought you'd, you know, you chucked it away. I mind sitting in the house after the game with the lads, like, and just didn't speak to each other. Just sat in silence, like, we're all, all devastated. But no, it was, it was mad how it all, how it all turned around um, within, a, within a week, I think. I think the next game was drawed. Uh, we beat them 2 0, and obviously you could hear for the you could hear for the crowd that the boys were getting beat. So the infamous Galway game. Yeah. So yeah, you knew going into the last, going into the break game, you just had to get a draw to to win the league. Which if somebody had said that at the start of the season, you would have had a bit of a handoff. To be mm-hmm. fair, so and actually, so, yeah, you, I felt pretty. you've received a lot of praise actually for your performance that night uh, in Bray. And it was your true ball over the top to your fellow Scotsman Gary Twig, where you finished from such a tight angle. Did that sum up Twiggy scoring those kind of goals? 
Ah, Twiggy was brilliant. He was brilliant. So it was, um, yeah, just like you say, if you if you needed a goal, Twiggy would pop up. I mean, I, I don't know what his record was. It must have been a goal and a goal every two games or something. He'll tell you it's eighty nine uh, goals, but officially it's eighty eight. Is that? Yeah. How many games? Hundred and thirty odd, maybe was it? No, I don't have it in front. I think of it's about oh, between one twenty and one thirty five, forty maybe. Right. But it's a great record, like. Oh yeah, bloody hell. Um, but yeah, I great finish. I mean, but the game itself was it was horrible. I mean, in terms of my own performance, I think I won a lot of headers. I can remember that. Um, although Bray's goal, the boy has beat me for it. For a it was a diving header. We both went for it. He's got in front of me, so I was at fault for Bray's goal, uh, the second one. But um, no, I can just I can just remember going into that game just really confident. Just you know. This was a, this is why you this is why you joined Rovers was to, to win trophies and you know play in European competition and yeah I just I felt I felt really confident going into that game actually um, bizarrely enough um, and yeah I don't know yeah I, I don't know I don't know right like, don't know and when I we have to get when we got over the line then was it just relief and joy and everything yeah I was I was what a feeling it was brilliant. Um, I think it was Ender. Ender's just jumped on me and then the next thing everyone's ran the pitch. Actually the young lad Liam, Liam McKenna, I was staying with he he was on the pitch as well. He was the first person I saw and then oh, as, as we all know it was just pandemonium, wasn't it? Did you After all end up in the house back in Fairhouse? Yeah, uh, we did eventually. <laughs> you heard some stories about I that place. Five, six o'clock or something, I don't know. It was, it was a late one, put it that way. It was a late one. Um well, yeah, great night. I can't remember where we went. We went back to the uh, where was it? Plaza. Did we go to the Mount? Did we go to the Mountain? I think we went to the Mountain and then we ended up across the road. Um, what was it? The Plaza, wasn't it? What? We went. No, I don't think it was in the Plaza. It was up for the Plaza. It was across the McDonald's. Ah, the Abo. That's at level four. The Abo. The Abo. That's it. There we go. That was it. So we're in there till well, I don't know four in the morning. I'll say <laughs> something like that. So. That sounds about right. Yeah, so no, that was a good night. Great night to be honest. And, uh, yeah, just just delighted to get to get over the line. I mean, for for yourselves and uh, what what a night it must have been for you. What was that, 16, 16 year? That's it. So that's one of the yeah. leagues. So so and yeah, just yeah, delight delighted to delighted to play a part in it. To be honest. And then from that to the disappointment of the FAI Cup final, missing all four of our penalties. Some more fan questions here now. If you're, 
We've some more fan questions here, Greg, as well, right? Oh. With John Harper, does he remember giving his cup final jersey to a Sligo kid that he levelled with a fantastic clearance? <laughs> and then he said uh, he said that he met the kid on the train home afterwards and offered his dad more than 100 quid for the short, but he wanted more. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so we're, in the, we're, uh, we're doing a bit of possession in the warm-up and the balls just, the balls just came around nicely and you know, I had the advertising boards maybe about 20 yards away from me so I thought I'll just I'll just ping this off the advertising board and back into the, get the ball back into the box so I've just licked this ball and it's just went at perfect height to go right above the advertising board and I just knew like within seconds like that's going to hit that kid it just hit the boys it just hit the young boy straight in the face like I was like fucking hell like, oh, I couldn't believe it I was like, I was devastated like but I kind of had to kind of had to ignore it I just had to just make sure he was alright and he, like he was crying I think but he was alright like he wasn't I don't think he was bleeding or anything like that so Nice no blood, no foul, isn't the it? Game, but it was, it was after the game and we were walking around and I was like, oh, fucking hell, I wonder if that wee laddie's still there. So, but he luckily was, but... I did you say he was a Sligo fan? Yeah. So, so it says. So, I do. you remember making... We've Kieran Farrell as well. He said, do you remember making the best ever tackle in uh, NFA Oil Cup final? A crunching one. And Dave Carpenter follows up and says, you could feel it at the back of the Havelock Square end, a crunching tackle. Oh yeah, front of the Rovers uh, fans. On Davran, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I can remember that. Yeah, oh that was a what tackle that was. That's probably <laughs> one of my best. Yeah, I just that. Uh, to be fair, that tackle similar to that against Pats in the league game. I think it was on Belmo. Um, but yeah, I think Davran's went a run, and he's before you know it, he's ended up maybe sort of seven, eight yards for goal. So you know, I had to, you know, he's going to, he's going to get a shot on target. Um, so yeah, I had to I had to do something about it, and yeah, just timed it timed it perfectly. Like I can remember it well. I said, yeah, just the, the ball went at the stand, and he so did that. So did he. He went over the line, over the touchline. I can mean, speaking of him after the game about it as well. He's like fucking hell. Like I thought my game was over there, but he said he he got on through. He got through the game. Like but, no, I can I can remember that tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So Sivy was great. It was uh, it was great to hear from him. So you'll get part two of that next week. But, yeah, so that's, uh, that's 2009 and 10 he's covered mm-hmm. there. So you'll hear the next uh, next time. But uh, brilliant so far. Oh, it was great to hear from him because he was my favourite player for two seasons. I really, really rated him. Thought he was fantastic. And it's, look, I said, it's great to hear all the inside stories and injuries and quite the extensive injury list. I didn't think it was that bad. The stuff with the physios at Hearts, that, that was gas. <sighs> Unbelievable. Just sitting there with, it's like something out of uh, the office, it's like the translator. <laughs> coming in and talking the recce the the faith healer brilliant yeah I can't, that was that was uh, about 50 minutes you heard there he, he he talked to us for an hour and 40 yeah that's why we're divided into two parts and we had a good chat off here as well yeah. so lovely lovely fella and definitely so, be on again can't believe he he gave us that much time or should i say i can a believe can a can a believe yeah so uh yeah, one final note on the quiz, like we say. Can't help but be proud of, of this club for organising something as good as that. And I wanted to give uh, somebody else the last the last word, and that's Alex Ryan. Because I randomly came across an interview he did in Hoop Scene last year. 
And so I'm going to give the last word to Alex. And he said, it's an amazing feeling being a fan of this club. It's like, like I said, it's a, it's, it's just a horrific situation for everybody involved. And he was such an enthusiastic young guy. And this, this episode is dedicated to him. And, um, yeah, we just want to make sure that, uh, I mean, like I said, it's, we're, 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 we're speechless here at Tifty. So, like I said, we want to, it's dedicated to Alex and we'll, we'll leave it on, on that. So, uh, Keep on hooping. See ya. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only We'll see No, I won't Be afraid Oh, I won't Be afraid Just as long As you stand Stand by me So darling Darling, stand By me Oh, stand By me Just as long as you stand, stand by.